Welcome to Diplomacy, the podcast for communications in mergers and acquisitions, brought to you by Corporate Diplomat. With our guests, we will discuss how the financial, economic, political and social context can actually impact the value created by a transaction. My name is Louis de Schallemer, and I will be your host. Hallo, Malillo. Welcome to Diplomacy, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Paloma, you are Head of M&A and Strategy EMEA with Otis, and you have started your career in banking and telecoms, and you have a degree in renewable energy. Tell us who or what has made the person who you are today. So thank you for this question, Luis, and I love it, actually. I think today, like any other human being, I'm here because of my family. We are a big, diverse family spread all over the globe. And uh, with international history and traveling and living abroad, including my husband and the opportunities that uh, they gave me and they are still giving me. Hence my international experience. So I'm a person that has lived and worked in a few places from US and Latin America to Europe, Middle East and Africa. And wherever I go, I try to, to adapt and learn about the history, the tradition, the, the languages, and of course the food, right? And I think one of the key highlights of this international experience was when I was 20 years old, traveling from Madrid to South Africa, to Cape Town by car, and understanding what are the differences between the countries, everything, traditions, uh, languages, And when you are alone in, in all those different countries in a short period of time, this is giving you perspective about life. And you learn not only for your, for your personal you know, goals, but also professional goals. And I think when you know yourself better and you have time to reflect on that, you build what is going to be your, your basis, your values and your personality for, for the future as a, as a human being. And, as a professional and, and I think being passionate and being a dreamer and believing in the good faith of people is what is making today the, the person who, who I am. So if you talk to, to in the professional world or in my personal life to, to different people, I think they, they can agree on these characteristics today. Wonderful. You mentioned one word, which is opportunities and seizing opportunities. If we dive into our M&A topic today, corporate strategy should be standing before any transaction, which could be a divestor or, or acquisition. But any M&A transaction, you should have a kind of a corporate strategy. Sometimes you have opportunities. How do you make sure that, that your transaction actually fits within a corporate strategy and translate the corporate strategy? Well, in general, not only in my current role, but I always try to look at the business and, and how create value in the long term, right? This means how can we grow it? How can we obtain synergies? What's the business model like? How does that fit in our strategy, in the geography that we are buying or selling? And, and I think the, the most important thing is to understand the business and know the people behind and know the culture that we take care of of that business after closing. So that's one thing. The other thing is, of course, we are 
focused on the uh, financial analysis, evaluation, how much are we going to pay, uh, when are we going to pay, the type of payment. And these are just tactical topics that we need to, to take into account and take care of. But it's important to define who is going to, to execute that transaction, who is going to be the person behind the scene. And when we talk about, for example, entering a new country, just to, to give you a random example, we need to consider the, the characteristics and the culture of that topic. What's the business model? Because we talk about m &A, but there are other options. If you think of Middle East, I think it's quite popular JVs when you want to enter a country in the Middle East, because you cannot have 100% of the ownership in, in, in foreign hands, right? So how can I think differently? How can I define my strategy, my corporate strategy in that country? Can I do a partnership? Or maybe I should go through a distribution as a first step and then use a collection to acquire and then go through a JB. So the relationship of, of a marriage, first you know, you meet each other, then you just commit and then you get married. So I think it's uh, important to, to find the right agreement and the right pace for, for each of them. Do you work with a linear process in MA, okay, yes, we have our due diligence where we do pretty linear process. Okay, we, on that one, I think it's clear. But the decision-making process itself, from the idea to developing the appropriate arguments that support the decision until you give the green light and say, okay, now due diligence process, please start. How linear can such a process be? And what is the governance that you take? Who needs to take the decision? I think it, there are, uh, I would say, two or three points here that are very important. First, from day one, you need a very good collaboration with the local team. It could be the, the managing director of that business or, or the president of that region or, or the local leader of the company you're going to acquire, for example. You need to know how that's going to work if that acquisition fits into your model and the decision needs to be taken with the local team in many cases, all right? Due to confidentiality reasons, uh, you will get your NDA, but it's important to, at some extent, at some point, in this very first step, take the, the buy-in and the, the know-how of the local team and the experience of the local team. That's one important point. Second, we have a very active tracker. It's very important to identify how many targets are we going to have, the funnel, the screening, and if it fits or not. And what is important always is to have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. The, the alphabet is long. So I think COVID also showed us that we cannot really count on the status quo even in the next month. So we really have to be ready if the plan deviates, the plan is deviating a bit, from uh, our original target. And three, we do have this process, it's linear, but we need in some cases to over-communicate in a continuous and periodic way. And if you will, we need to develop this tailor-made communication at all levels. So it's not the same way you communicate to the employees or investors or media or unions, so even if the content is the same, there needs to be checkpoints in terms of communication to get alignment with all the stakeholders. 
the coordination of all of those processes, how do you manage that? So you cannot be legal auditor and communicator at the same time. So how do you build a good team to reflect that? That will depend, to be honest, on each project. Sometimes you might need to work very close with the legal team, tax team, HR team, finance team. In some cases, if it's a cross-border deal, you might have to work with a corporation, the corporate team from the world headquarters, for example. Based on that, we will adapt, of course, but at any point, we need to have, again, the buy-in of the local team. So they must be involved because they are the ones that know the business. They are the ones that are going to suffer the integration. And to me, it's very important to, to get them from day one, even if it's a big transaction. So that's key for me. In the decision-taking process, can you introduce formal pillars or, or milestones where you say, okay, that is really the tick-off? How can you build those in advance? Because basically what we see again and again is basically to take a good decision, you have to start with the end. Where do you want to be in two or three years? And I think you mentioned it at the beginning. So basically have this vision on what does this, this transaction help us achieve or where does this transaction take us somewhere? So how do you build these milestones and how do you build those key success factors that you need to include when you think about? I don't want to go to the it depends answer. <laughs> Fortunately. It depends on what? <laughs> depends on the type of transaction, of course. Depends on the team involved and how experienced are they. So sometimes we have the advisors. So you saw my career was from the banking side and now on the corporate side. And the difference is when you are the advisor, you can advise. But at the end of the day, the corporation will take the decision. And when you are the corporation at the same time, you will have to integrate and really digest the decision you just made to make it successful. And when we talk about what's a, what's a successful acquisition, well, a successful acquisition is a successful integration. So to me, we need to have the team that is going to be involved in the integration as part of the due diligence. And the part of the due diligence team would be the integration team. So this is where we set our key milestones. They can set them, but they are going to be the ones integrate them later. If we talk about finance and doing evaluation, check that your estimations are the ones that are going to be checked in the next two, three, four, five years. If you're talking about HR and you're talking about some savings, those are going to be your milestones during the integration. So I think it's a very good way to commit and link what is pre-closing and post-closing and everybody's aligned. So having the same team, I think it's good to, to check these milestones, to measure the timing, and also to, to guarantee somehow a successful transition period and integration phase. You have mentioned it several times on how important it is to work with the local team, to have the right communications process and cascade. How do you assess culture and what is the importance or the significance or the risk sometimes even in culture, you mentioned your own career where you have traveled and seen quite diverse environments. At what level does culture and cultural aspects intervene in the integration, probably, essentially, at this stage? How do you see that? Yeah, integration and, and again, even 
initial negotiation because every country might have their traditions, their, their way to do business. And I think the key success factor, I would say, is to be four by four, like a car, adapting to the situation. And I mentioned my family is quite diverse. And I think that that gave me also a little bit of hint of how different cultures, traditions might work. I think first you need to, to ensure clear and polite communication from the beginning and during the integration. Also, you need to do a little bit of research in advance and, and learn about the different cultures. So I, I've read many books actually about cultures and, and differences. And I think there is a very good one. It's called The, the Culture Map from Eddie Mayer that I really recommend. And I think it's, it's going straight forward to the point. So it will save us time for, for those <laughs> that have international roles. And I think it's important to, to work towards accommodating that cultural differences. It's important to share the knowledge, to put everybody in the same page. And I think in some cases, if there is a huge gap in terms of culture, it might help to employ some diversity training. Because I think that's also the key, the key factor for, for many companies that are even entering a new country. And what I think it's important to know is the very first moment in an acquisition, I'm talking about medium size or even small companies, talk with the person, the owner, the seller, look at him into the eyes and ask him, why are you selling? You need to understand if he wants, if it's a family-owned company and he wants to keep the son or the daughter in the company, you need to go and see with your own eyes how is the atmosphere in the company, who, who has a coffee with who, who respects who. This is when we, when you go to the site visits, it's not for a due diligence or a, or a safety check. You need to see the people. You need to understand the human behavior. You need to understand how are they going to react if we all of a sudden announce, guys, we are acquiring you. You need to know how is their previous history to understand if this is a company that was built up out of acquisitions, what was the history behind to understand that the culture will be taken into account during the integration phase? You used the extraordinary word of polite communications. I think what you're kind of describing here is making sure that the sentiment is a win-win so that the seller doesn't lose face because she, he or they have to sell because whatever the situation is. It was some of the discussions we have had in the past as well, where cash-rich companies wanted to buy struggled enterprises. Yeah, you can't get into a company and say, we are cash-rich and you're poor. They have a history. They have a legacy. They have a pride. And probably this is one of the challenges to, to transfer that pride into the new company as well. Is that what you're referring to, this, this win-win approach kind of, or not protecting the face Win-win, and I think aligned with first respect and aligned with a very powerful weapon I discovered years ago, to be humble. And that's a very powerful tool when negotiating, when proposing any plan to your future partner, even. It is a very powerful tool, being humble. In front of the person you have, next to you, in front of you, in the same room, an audience even, it's what is really approaching the different cultures to each other 
when you start with this being humble, things were much better. When you take this humility and communication to the, especially the beginning of, of the conversation where you do need a sense of confidentiality because you, you can't share everything and yet you do need to get the buy-in of, of some critical stakeholders. How do you manage confidentiality with openness? I think you have to share some knowledge at the very beginning. Try to explain yourself. Well, this is my job. This is what I'm trying to achieve. And as you well said, this is going to be a win-win situation. First, you need to build some trust. And of course, it's not a matter of reputation, your reputation in the market, but it's knowing you as a human being. And some human commitment, not only corporate commitment. At the end of the day, is relationships of humans with humans. And of course, people will move to the next job and will change companies and you cannot rely on that person that will be in that corporation forever. But I think it's a very important discussion that you need to know at the beginning of the negotiation. This is what we want to achieve. We might have unknowns on our way, but definitely we have to work on everything together. We have to over-communicate if there are fears, if there are misunderstandings. If at some point you don't trust me, I don't trust you. We need to raise this topic, both parts. And I think with this over-communication that I mentioned before, it's one of the key elements that will secure certain situations that can be avoided to, to have more trust in each other and, and to, even if we cannot share all the information, to really make it happen. You mentioned the richness of, of diversity. How do you ensure this diversity is built because every organization has its level of diversity and diversity maybe you want to define your thoughts or develop your thoughts around diversity what does it mean and how can you grow this diversity when bringing teams together when building something yeah first it's interesting to understand the concept of diversity sometimes it's a matter of okay in woman men the color of our skin ethnicity but then diversity in terms of age or diversity in terms of background, maybe sometimes we make a, a big difference between what are the uh, lifers of our company? What are the people that just know everything in terms of you know, product or the business or the sector? And maybe people that is coming from other companies and are new in a corporation or age. We talk about millennials, we talk about you know, generation, I, I lost the count, X, Y, Z, all these guys. I'm too old for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean diversity in terms of how rich can our company be with all the added value that we get from the different people. And let me give you an example. Maybe I'm thinking one I have on the, on the top of my head regarding M&A many years ago. We had an acquisition in, in Europe and I remember a case we had a partnership, we, we did a JB a million years ago, and that company was very small, represented, I would say not even 1% of the revenues of the entire corporation. And there was this person that we were thinking, you know, not good cultural fit and, you know, uh, it's a bit different and uh, has a different leadership style to the big corporate executive culture that we have today. It ends up that this person ended up being the CEO 
of the big corporation. And because of this diversity, and because of this bringing value, different ideas, knowing the business from a different perspective, from the very beginning, even before he was born, his family was part of this business. He was able to get the skills of an agile company, of a startup, of a small company, but turn that into an opportunity or a good market situation for the corporation. So it was a good example of how, how diversity and how acquisitions can bring talented, skilled employees to the corporation, diverse and a different way of thinking. And at the very end, they could be the, the, the best fit for, for the company, for the corporation. When you talk about diversity, this also takes us to sustainability. Again, there are multiple interpretations, readings on what sustainability actually means. Maybe some traditionalists will say, well, that's the normal way of doing business because you think about the resources, you think about the people, you think about the future. So there is nothing new in being sustainable. We should be sustainable by nature. Could be one approach for others. It is something that has to be re-articulated because we are not present and, and doing it well enough today. In the M&A process, where do you see sustainability intervene? Does it come at the decision-making process where you say, okay, those guys are really great in, in terms of sustainability or those guys are so far behind that we have to take them on board? And where do you take it into, into the integration part? Where do you see sustainability fit today in the M&A process? I think this sustainability and environment and ESG topic is, is quite hot today. And it's the new, the new trend, not only in, in public markets, but also in private companies and in the private equity sector as well. And uh, this has been always important. And in the M&A side, for example, when you buy a small company, we need to see if there is a way to make it part of a sustainable and safe due diligence process, for example, safety checks, environmental checks that you would have to do. There are many aspects that need to be taken into account regarding environment, sustainability, and safety, and not only for these small uh, transactions, but also for the big ones. When we are doing an acquisition, and I said we, but I mean I, regardless of the company, every time I, I want to, to think that First, as I said at the beginning, we are going to create long-term value. Second, it's aligned with what our customers are asking for. Again, I'm, I'm part of the M&A team, but we cannot forget that the customers come first. And what our customers are asking, it's, okay, green products, it's to recycle, it's to save energy, it's to, to not waste, water consumption, and and when you think about all these metrics that you need to take into account that are valuable for your customers, they need to be part of who you are and they need to be part of your values. In the elevator sector, in the telecom sector, in the banking sector, safety or e-security. So all these elements need to be sustainable. And when you communicate, I, I come back to, to the point of the communications part, you need to do it in a, let's say, tailor-made communication format. You were talking about some organizations that need to know your KPIs, your CO2 emissions. Great for a reporting analysis. But if you're talking to your employees, your users, you have to talk maybe about trees. How many trees I am saving? I don't know if this company is saving one or two or three tons of CO2 greenhouse emissions. 
So I need to tell you how many trees I am saving. And you need to adapt what you do to who you are talking to. So going back to, to the m process, all of these elements need to be taken into account, even in the transformation of the company. I think all the companies now are in a big transformation inside and outside. And when you do this, ESG needs to be part of your core, of your values. So I would say not only for m due diligence or integration, but that that will be part of your company in the future needs to start from the strategy that you will define at the very beginning back to culture, right? You mentioned it earlier as well. In the acquisition process, okay, you may buy assets, you may buy markets, you may buy geographies, but when you have the transfer of people, you also have knowledge. Sometimes the knowledge is in a handbook or in a guidebook, and you have binders with thousands of pages of processes and protocols and IP. Yes, that is one part of knowledge. But knowledge is so much broader than that in, a, in an industry. How do you capture knowledge? Or can you capture knowledge, maybe first one, and then how? If yes, how would you <laughs> capture it? And how can you transfer it in a transaction? Because yes, there may be people moving out of the transition. Yes, that is part of, of what may happen at some stage or another. But the bulk of people stays and, and the bulk of a knowledge within an organization stays. How do you protect knowledge and how do you integrate it into the new environment? I think it's important to plan and to take into account some surprises that might happen. So to plan for a transition period, plan for an onboarding, to plan for the training of the newcomers, and somehow transfer that knowledge that you mentioned. But to me, what is key is the person that will be in charge of that. I know that we mentioned before acquisitions that are successful have integrations that are successful. For me, the person with name and last name that is going to be in charge of that is really important because that will be the one taking care of that knowledge and that that knowledge is not lost or that that knowledge is really inherited with the company, the business or the geography that we want to invest or divest. That's one point. And then keeping the knowledge is such an important key element for all the transaction is who we are. And we go back to the values and the culture. So we really want to over communicate in some cases and really make it, let's say at some point, standard, but in a way that everybody needs to know what's your vision, what's your mission, and what are the values behind that. And I think that's why it's important. If you do an acquisition in Timbuktu, it needs to represent the same culture and the same values that you might have in New York City or in Cape Town, South Africa. So I think with this, going back to the values is what is really keeping the core and the essence, essence of the know-how. Because this is what we are. In this case, Otis or Telefonica or City, the, the whole history of, of all sectors, banks, is really going back to keeping that knowledge, keeping that values, and the basis that you will share and develop later, adapting to the, to the local environment or, or the regulation even. But uh, this is something that you need to, to transmit. Paloma, if I summarize our conversation, some of what we have discussed. 
I see on one hand the strategic perspective. So preparation, so knowing where to go, um, having the strategy, having the thoughts. Secondly, bringing the vision of where you want the entire movement to go and communicating it properly. Thirdly, and I, it's something that I have not often raised in my conversations, is deep respect in the mutual process. You express it in humility. So going somewhere by saying, let's do something, and maybe you have something which is so great that I want it, but not, I'm here, I want this, I'm so great that you can join me. So it's, it's more, do, would you want to join us? attitude. I think um, that, is an, that is an original expression in these conversations. Yes. You establish also very clear communications process in a cascade in the multitude of stakeholders. You expressed the fundamental basis of trust. And uh, last but not least, a very clear element that you have expressed is the role of leadership. So be it the seller, be it the person who does the integration, it it is leading the teams, leading the people towards a better together. That's what I would take out of of our conversation. So if, if you have a last word, a last tip for our audience, what would be your, your last closing words? If I had the last word, I would say first, be agile and adapt, anticipate to what could happen, anticipate to this element of 10% surprise that you can always have. Look at not only your sector, but the entire industrial, telecoms, startup community. Look farther, not just limit yourself to the competition or customers or suppliers. Watch out for the trends for the disruptors that could be coming your competitor one day. So for this, agility and adaptability is key to succeed. And to summarize, you know, everything is possible. Everything could happen, but be ready not to just think outside of the box, but think there is no box. (laughs) Thank you, Paloma. Thank you for this conversation. Yes. Love to have you on this show. Looking forward to seeing you somewhere in Europe. (laughs) Thank you, Luis. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Diplomacy. Please explore our website, www.corporate-diplomat.com or our LinkedIn page. I hope you have enjoyed. Feel free to subscribe and hit the follow button. Have a great day.